I sometimes feel like Broadway forgets about cultivating theater fans. You know, I think about myself, you know, growing up, going to New York City wasn't possible. It wasn't a, it wasn't a thing that we could do. We didn't know going to Broadway. Should, we didn't understand what that meant. That wasn't something my family did. We didn't have any access to that. And, you know, it really was one Broadway show that I came up with in my family that kind of turned me into a fan. And, you know, because of that one Broadway show, I, I've come back over and over and over again to see more shows. Now I work in the industry and I can point it all to that show. You know, really, like if I hadn't come up with my family, just drove it, driven up to New York from D.C., saw the matinee, stood around there, then drove back down the same day. I don't know if I would be working in the industry today. Anand, welcome back to Broadway's Bit by Bit podcast, back by popular demand. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. Congratulations to you and your DMQR producing partners on being two-time Tony-nominated producers. How does that feel? It's unreal. It, it, it doesn't feel like it actually happened. The whole Tony Awards season's a blur. You know, it's one of those things where if you asked me a year ago, this is the best case scenario, and I can't believe that's actually happening. Oh, we have to break it down. Okay, let's start with the panel lesson. Yeah, yeah I mean, beautiful poster behind you. That's great for those who can see and listen. Um, the piano lesson, August Wilson's Pulitzer Prize winning The Piano Lesson, which starred Academy Award winner Samuel L. Jackson and Screen Actor Guild nominee John David Washington and Tony and Emmy nominee Danielle Brooks, and also directed by Tony nominee LaTanya Richardson-Jackson. I mean, wow. Um, it was nominated for Best Play Revival. Okay, let's talk about it. Like, what, what I want to know is why was the piano lesson important for you? I think, I think there were a variety of reasons. You know, one, it was that August Wilson play that had never been revived on Broadway before. It was one... I think people, you know, if they read August Wilson plays in school, they knew it. But, you know, it's not one people talked about. I think a lot of people talked about, like, his other plays have been revived more recently. And it was really special to be able to be part of this revival of this show coming back, especially because I think this play is very different than a lot of other plays from that era. I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit superstitious. There's a lot of family drama. And I think... To me, when I see drama in theater, I want people to go to that boundary. And I want people to say that thing that you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. Because that's real. And to me, this play felt so real. And the cast that came together and the team that was putting it together, they just aligned with my values so well on diversity, equity, inclusion, and the message they were trying to send. It just felt like the time was right. Um, it was really exciting to be able to work with this producing team and just share this story about family at a time when I think, you know, everyone is needing family or friends and needing to figure out how to navigate, especially in this post shutdown world. Oh, congratulations. Well received and thrilled that the story was able to be shared and what a powerful team and how fun to be a part of that team. Like, congratulations. That's Thank amazing. you so much. And, you know, my fingers are crossed that, you know, we can continue on piano lesson, hopefully with other productions. Um, we're figuring it out. Nothing set in stone. But, you know, 
the dream is something will work out. So I'm excited for that. Long live. Yes. Good for you. I mean, you have to come back and tell us about that second chapter. Absolutely. That act too. Cool. Uh, New York, New York, New York was, New York, New York was nominated for nine Tonys, including best musical. Wow. And took home outstanding scenic design by Beowulf. Boy, it's like, yay, take one for the team. And we also have to acknowledge that he won the drama desk award for the same category. And of course, Susan Stroman winning outstanding choreographer for the outer critics circle award. Like, Wow, here we go. Big musical, big musical. And and then there's a lot of, there are many things that I admire about you. And one of them is your passion. We talked about New York, New York early on. Um, what, what about this show is most exciting to you? To me, watching this show is a reminder of why I'm in New York in the first place. It's why I fell in love in this, with the city. You know, people laugh at me when I say, oh, I love walking through Times Square. And they're like, "What? Why, who loves walking through Times Square who lives in the city? And to me, it's that stop and smell the roses moment where I see a tourist taking a picture of something in the sky. And I want to see what are they taking a picture of? This is something that I can admire too. And to me, this show kind of encapsulates what we love about New York. And it's, even though it's set in the post-World War II era, it's, it does a really good job of being this modern retelling of all people in New York, whether you're an immigrant, whether your family's been in New York all your life, whether you're someone who comes from a background of money, whether you're someone who's trying to make it big for the first time. And I think a lot of us move to New York because we have those aspirations and dreams. And it's great to see people also trying to have their dreams come tr true on stage and, and like you said, the scenic design, the choreography, it's truly out of this world. You know, there's one number that they recreate uh, construction workers on, on steel beams in the sky. And it's very similar to that very famous photograph of people eating lunch um, on the high beams in a construction site. And to be doing a tap number on high beams, and it actually feels like that when you're watching it. It's Susan Stroman choreography at the finest. Um, and it's just such a such a great mixture of Candor and Ebb style music with a little bit of Lin-Manuel Miranda influence with the lyrics. It, it's such a great blend of everything that, you know, for me, it just reminds me why I fell in love with this city every time I see it. Wow. And in that famous picture, there was no safety harnesses. And in this show, no safety harnesses needed. Like, take it, just do it. They go for it every time. Exactly. It blows my mind how they do that. I, I'm kind of looking at the angle. I'm like, those those beams are so skinny. How are you doing a full tap routine and jumping around on it? You know, this cast, they're so talented. And what they're doing on stage every night, it, it blows my mind. And for people who are looking for a traditional big Broadway musical. It's the best of the big Broadway musical, big set, but also with modern uh, sensitivities and lenses and colors and all of the things. That was that. really important to me because I, I call myself a contemporary musical theater fan. You know, I didn't grow up seeing the musicals of the seventies. You know, I grew up with the musicals of the past 10, 20 years. So, you know, I appreciate and I value the musicals from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and I see how it influenced what we have today. And I do have some favorites there too, but the, you know, they're not usually the ones that I'll go to and be like, oh, I can't wait to see this again. So I think this show is really bridging the gap between your traditional big old school musical and something contemporary that I think everyone can fall in love with.
Mm, well done. What does it feel like, Anand, to be a co-producer and have two shows nominated for the Tony Awards? Like what? I saw your pictures on the red carpet. That you were like living your best life. It was amazing. Like what? Like when it all soaked in. You said the best dream, but like, let's talk maybe, how about this? Let's talk about the process of being a member of both producing teams and leading up to the Tonys. Like, what did that feel like for you? It was, you know, I didn't know what to expect of the Tony Awards this year. I don't think anyone did for a variety of reasons. I think one, being part of two shows, is kind of like, do I sit with New York, New York? Do I sit with a piano lesson? Who's organizing what in terms of seating, in terms of, and the after parties, pre-parties, gatherings, photos, like how is that going to work? It was unclear. But beyond that, you know, the first time we were at the United Palace Theater, which is might be one of the most gorgeous theaters I've ever been inside of. Um, and I was so excited to be in Washington Heights and to be up there. But, you know, that was the first time the Tony Awards have been there. So no one really knew what it would be like. And on top of that, no one really knew, you know, is there going to be an official party next door? How is that going to work? How do you navigate getting across Manhattan at that time of night with this many people leaving the theater? And also, you know, with the WGA strike, right? And the Tony Awards being unscripted, people didn't know, are the award, is the award show happening? Is it not happening? What is it going to look like? What should we be going? Should, how do we support the WGA? Is it something oh, we should exactly. actually, an event that we don't want to be going to? You know, are other people not going to it? You know, no one really knew what to expect. So I think that was really exciting to be able to be a part of it in that way. Um, and just be, you know, I chose to sit with New York, New York, and that's who I got my tickets through. But what was really nice is a lot of my piano lesson friends were nearby. And, you know, I'd say the Tony Awards committee, they did a great job of uh, figuring out how this show could go on, how to really ingrain themselves mm-hmm. in the community. I know I got there maybe 2.30, 3pm. And I was just in the streets of Washington Heights, enjoying the food, taking photos with some of my colleagues. You know, there were a lot of community members there asking what's going on? Why are there these barricades? And I got to talk with them, interact with them. And so for me, I feel like I got the full experience of like, oh, I'm in Washington Heights. Let me really enjoy my time here. Because it's one of my favorite neighborhoods. Some of my favorite restaurants are there. And it was just a lovely afternoon. But it's definitely hot once we got in the theater and it's a little wild. And it went by very quickly. <laughs> um, that's ex- thank you for taking us walking through that for us. Uh, what was it like to um, one step before engage with Tony voters? Did you engage with Tony voters? Like what what did that look like? What were those conversations like? It's like you have siblings, like you have a brother and a sister, like you have you know both shows that you are related to, and and you can talk about them differently, but with the same admiration like how do you talk about to tony voters your shows absolutely what's so interesting is so many people are tony voters and we don't even realize it uh-huh. um, i think a lot more people that I, I think you know everyone in the industry doesn't realize if they don't already that they know tony voters you know former winners uh people who are established professionals in the industry and so that's really interesting because the piano lesson closed already right And this year, I believe, was the first year that Tony voters could vote in a category not having seen a show. Right. So, you know, I I assume all of them had the opportunity to see the piano lesson. I hope they did because it was such a great production. But I don't even know if all of them saw it. So that was a really interesting balance. Whereas New York, New York, everyone had the opportunity to see it because it's still running. And I know, you know, there's a spring road conference every year 
where a lot of out-of-town theaters and theater uh, industry folk from around the country and around the world come into New York. And that's a big time for a lot of the shows, especially the big musicals, to kind of make their award show pushes. And I know New York, New York uh, had a wonderful party. It was really well-received. And there were many industry folk there at Tavern on the Green. It was a really wonderful event. Um, I think a lot of people were really excited about New York. And, you know, there's lots of conversations from the Tony Awards to the Drama Desk, Drama League, Outer Critics Circles Awards, as well as, you know, what would it be like taking this musical on the road? You know, could we picture in New York, New York touring the country? And that was a really exciting conversation to start having Mm -hmm. with everyone. And I know the show has announced that it will be going on tour. Um, So it's exciting, you know, once those dates are figured out and once those theaters and how do you take this grand scenic design on tour? But I know, you know, those kind of conversations with Tony voters happen all the time. Uh, but I, I think it's definitely hard, especially, you know, when you have one show that's this big musical and all the musicals a nominated are still running, whereas you have one show that's closed and it's, you know, if you, they didn't see it, they may not vote for it because they don't know anything about it. And then let's, let's talk about A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. So we are both involved in that. You as a co-producer, myself as an investor, and I know I know what a disappointment it was when it was not nominated for a Tony. But the cast did come together for a performance at the Tony Awards. Props to Ken Davenport. Like, yes. So will you describe for us what it was like to be in the theater with a sweet Caroline sing-along with Barry Manilow, Sarah Bareilles, Lin-Manuel? Like, what was that like? I was going wild. I was fortunately sitting next to Alex Robertson, who is another yes. one of my producing colleagues, also on The Beautiful Noise and New York, New York. And the way we stood up and started cheering and dancing and singing along with Sweet Caroline, the lyrics were actually projected on the screens. Like they wanted the theater to sing along, um, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, everyone around us was like, wait, what? You know, y'all are really excited for. Neil Diamond, and we were like, no, 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 we're, we're a part of the show and we want you to be excited about it too. You know, come sing, dance with us. And it was so excited to have the cast there perform. And it was so special, I think, because, you know, oftentimes if a show doesn't get nominated, they're not going to perform at the Tony Awards. Um, you know, this is a cast that, you know, they won three Cheetah Rivera choreography awards. You know, they're talented and they've, I'm so happy they got recognized for it. And, you know, they only got to show a little bit of it on stage that day. But, you know, I'm hoping people really start to realize like, oh, this cast can sing, they can dance. And I hope they realize there's a huge story in this musical that people are missing out on if they don't check it out. Um, so I was really happy that people got to experience just a little bit. And I think a lot of folks at home, they were really excited to be able to see like, oh, I know that song. Wait, that's something I can see. I want to see that show on Broadway. Um, so I'm hoping the folks at home really got that message. I hope so too. One of my producing colleagues said he was in the theater and people were like, what, what's going on? And it was, his message was, and this happens eight times a week, eight times a week. I mean, to see the noise coming down, you know, the, the characters that are portraying the noise and Neil Diamond's head coming down the aisles. And then, I mean, did you feel the love for Will Swenson when he came out? Was there like a, an appreciation? There was an eruption of applause. And I think you, you nailed it on the head when you said, you know, people are like, what's going on? Where are these people coming from? You know, people recognize the music. They're like, okay, sweet Caroline. But then people just started appearing in the aisles. And we were like, whoa, wait, where are they? No one expected the entrance that they made and the way they did it. And, you know, they did such a stellar job. It really, 
it really, I think, was a much needed energy booster in the room. You know, it's hot in there. You know, I think wow. the joke was the AC wasn't on. I don't, I can't say for sure, but people were roasting in there. Um, and 3,000 people in one room, it, it was it was tough. And so I think it was a nice reprieve and really exciting to be like, oh, this is something we can dance along and sing along to. Oh, that's so well tied. And Camelot, of course, uh, another performance that wasn't nominated but was able to perform. And what a great opportunity for these actors who work so hard, these musicians to be on stage. What I love in true Davenport form was it's so like understated, right? Like here comes Will with his guitar and he's just singing. And then they come up through the aisles and then people are like getting it as you're describing it. And to have that reprieve from the heat, that's even something more exciting than uh, than I we could see from the screen. So cool. I'm very excited. And of course, it's still playing. And like you said, I think it took a it received a real bump in awareness from um viewers on the television but also you know for our broadway own to see what's happening every eight times a week so that's very exciting i'm excited for that show and even without a tony nomination uh continues to do well and we have as you know a great bright future for that show so that's fun um anant you have so many things you're working on let's take a shift from broadway and talk about summoning the spirit Okay, I am not a monster movie fan. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I was interested. uh, Miami Film Festival Lake Production says, Summoning the Spirit does what it needs to as a creature feature to satiate monster mover fans. It also finds an emotional resonance likely to take many viewers here for genre thrills by surprise. Okay, how did you get involved with this feature? And how is it different to produce for the stage and for the screen? This was a really exciting one. The team for Summoning the Spirit, many of the members are actually very experienced in Broadway producing as well. So there's some overlap there. And I knew a few of the producers on this film. And one of them asked me, do you have any interest in film? And I was like, I love film. You know, I have been a film screener for many years at a film festival Um, I love watching film. I love experiencing film. I love any genre. I'll admit sometimes horror is a little, I I had to get my mind wrapped around it. Like I I psych myself out thinking it's going to be way scarier than it'll be. Um, But when I had the opportunity to jump in to this film, Summoning the Spirit, it was hard to say no. One, being a horror film, you know, so many people get their starts in horror for a variety of reasons, from producing, from acting. And I think from a producing perspective, horror films can be really economical. Mm. And this one was one of them. To me, it felt like, oh, this is a really great opportunity to learn more about the film world and get my toes wet a little bit. And, you know, the team is an all-star team attached, really talented, the distributor, the director, they know what they're doing. And there's a big emphasis on diversity and inclusion and the casting and things like that. And that was very important to me. And this story, you know, I think, like you mentioned, people who love the big creature feature films will love it. But it's also more psychological thriller than people realize. You know, it's not just jump scares all the time. Mm. And so I think, you know, people who like more of a thriller will also appreciate this film. And so right now... We're doing the film festival circuit. We were at Miami Film Festival. We'll be at the Chattanooga Film Festival soon. And so it's really exciting to be able to 
kind of see how a film goes through this film festival circuit, especially since I've been on the flip side and I've actually screened and reviewed films for entry into a film festival. And I'm excited to see how it goes from this film festival circuit to video on demand, maybe a streaming platform and how that economic model works. In some ways, it's very similar to Broadway where the setup is, you know, you kind of have your lead producer and you have producers under them and you have the different members of the team uh, but in some ways, it's very different because of the way you're making money from a financial perspective, you have different avenues. And there aren't weekly running costs in the same way as there are for a Broadway show. So I've been learning a lot kind of seeing how a film makes money and spends money versus a Broadway show, which, you know, being the entertainment finance dork I am, I love it. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that you also are working Broadway boxed up. I mean, is there anything you're not doing? Wow. You know, it's, it's so funny. Broadway boxed up. People keep asking me like, oh, are you still doing that? And I am like, oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. going strong every month, nonstop. You know, if you if you don't hear from me for a while, it's probably because I'm packing boxes. <laughs> and I literally can't have my phone in my hand while I'm using my hands to pack the boxes. But that's been so exciting. And we were really fortunate to um, actually do the official merchandise for an off-Broadway show recently, Millennials Are Killing Musicals. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that. Go for it. Yeah. And yeah. we were the official merchandise provider. And to me, that was so exciting. You know, I, I've had one-off pieces with different shows in the past. But this, sh- this off-Broadway musical, they sh- shared the values I had in terms of how merchandise can be so important to driving viewership for a show and driving engagement for a show. And to be doing all the merchandise, designing it, working with them, having this really collaborative process, and then actually having to sell it on site. Totally new game for me. And that's been really exciting. And I think it went really successfully, especially because many off-Broadway shows of this size, you know, this was a 99-seat theater, they don't even do merchandise. So it's really exciting to come up with a model that was mutually beneficial for both of us and to have merch, especially with a title as provocative as Millennials Are Killing Musicals. You know, it was something that I want a tote bag with that plastered on it so I can carry it around. People be like, wait, what? What does that mean? That's funny. Wait, that's a show? And, you know, it it was really exciting. And I'm hoping that we start doing more and more merchandise for shows because I think Broadway Box Up is all about the idea that there's so much more we can be doing with merchandise. And we're not doing it. We're not engaging theater fans. And I think a lot of people in the industry forget what it is to be a theater fan because you're so theater professional. Right, and for right. me, it's been really important to remember, you know, I am a theater fan. And I, I, I say I'm a theater fan who's just working in the industry. And so I try to always remember, what does the theater fan think? What do they want? And, you know, I think the merchandise aspect is a big deal, especially for a lot of shows. I just saw um, a tweet, a Twitter post about which is the show that you've seen the most of. And I was blown away at how many times people said, I've seen the show 12 times, 37 times, a hundred times, like that fan base, you're right. And that's really, really important to remember. And also to be that super fan ourselves. That's a great, what a great way to, to bring those two worlds together. And I didn't know you were doing merch for them. Like we should talk about spells of the sea when it comes time. Like that's amazing. I would love to. Yeah. That's really cool. And you're also, I mean, museum of Broadway, talk about the super fans, like, year one where are we like it's going strong it's going strong you know we're about to open another exhibit on chicago which is really exciting so a new rotating exhibit and that's going to be really exciting and i think people are realizing like the museum of broadway is a place they want to visit 
And, you know, the response has been so positive. And I think it really is for that theater super fan, whether they want to spend 90 minutes there and just look at everything or they want to spend five hours and actually read every single sign. You know, there's something for everyone there. And I think that's really important. And it's a space that theater needs. And I hope, you know, the theater industry continues to embrace it and realize, oh, this is really important for everyone and for every show and to help cultivate the theater fan. You know, it's not just about getting people to buy tickets to your show, but it's about creating theater fans in the future and keeping them engaged because they will come back and over and over and over again. And so I hope a lot of these shows and producers are realizing that and they continue to embrace the Museum of Broadway. It's so well curated. Congrats to you and your team. I mean, anyone, this is where I'm getting it as we wrap things up. Anyone that has the opportunity to work with you will be blessed with your cumin, your business acumen, your passion, and you're, the playfulness of like, let's make this happen. You're you're a great collaborator. I can tell. I'm thrilled for everybody who gets to work with you. Thank you so much. I am all about sort of thinking of how things can be done differently and what can we do in this industry that's a little bit different that will really engage people. To me, that engagement factor is so important. It's a big reason. One of many reasons, actually, I joined the co-producing team of Here Lies Love. For me, you know, that show... Other than the fact one of the lead actors actually went to my high school and he was a legend at my high school, you know, when I was taking choir class in high school. So to be able to do a show that he is on is so special. And then to do an all Asian, all Filipino show, you know, that community was so important to me in college. And so many of my friends are Filipino. And Mm -hmm. I I have memories of singing karaoke at their parties all the time over the past five, 10 years. And so to be able to do that while also this show that's pushing the envelope in terms of an immersive experience. I was like, this is a show I want to be a part of. I'll regret not being a part of and supporting these communities. And so I'm, I'm so excited for opening night for that and for people to come see it and experience that show in so many different ways. And then look at you, you beautifully transitioned from the celebration of the Tony Awards, an end of a season into looking ahead to next season. What an exciting season we have ahead and how lucky we are to have you as part of the mix of making the magic happen. Congrats. Thank you so much. And I'm just so excited. It's starting already. You know, we have three, at least three big musicals opening on Broadway. I'm sure numerous plays that I can't even remember opening this summer. And to be having so many summer shows is huge. You know, people want something to do. And it's exciting to have things before Labor Day. And so I think people are going to have a lot of theater to see. And that's going to be great. Oh, congratulations on the success that you've had and the success yet to come. And thank you again for joining us. Where There's so many places we could find you. Where should we send people? Where can people find it? Yes. You know, I think, you know, one of the best places to find me is on my Instagram, um, Anunth underscore guard, G-A-R-D-E. But also LinkedIn. You know, if anyone wants to reach out, I'm really responsive on LinkedIn. So if you just look up my name, Anunth Das, you'll find me. Um, And oh, that's a great place to find me. Thank you for being here and we will talk next time. Talk soon. This was great. Thank you so much for having me.